Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday, New Year's Eve edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick, Mitch Hotch with you for the final show of the year. And what a year it has been. It is extremely quiet out there in the markets. There is basically no news. Uh, so we'll spend the first couple minutes just talking about whatever Dennis and Joel saw yesterday that they thought was interesting or whatever happened overnight that they that caught their eye. And then we'll go into our year in review. And so we've, we've compiled uh, 20 clips. Uh, we've gone through hours and hours of shows and compiled what we think is a pretty good representation of, of the best of the best of the year. We'll play those clips and then we're going to talk about them and we'll do that little back and forth. Uh, and we'll do that and, until the end, and we'll take some questions from our chat, and that'll be this show. We're going to look back. We're going to spend some time looking back because we've never done that before, and, and, and it's a nice thing to do. But before we do that, I want to throw it to Joel to give us an update on just how quiet things are in the market. Joel, tell us exactly what's going on out there. Uh, good morning, Spencer. Good morning, listeners across the world. Uh, when's the last time we come in and the spoos have been basically unchanged? Uh, down a buck and a quarter, 20, uh, 37, 23. Uh, pre-market low, that's right under yesterday's low at 16 even. And then pre-market high, not much up there, just above the all-time high close. We have crude in the red by 47 cents at 47.93 we have gold knocking on the door of 1900 that's up 390 at 1897.30 silver that's going to the same way it's up almost two cents at 26.59 bitcoin the futures got to 29,700 but now we're in the red by 245 dollars at 28,910 triple D. What do you think of this new setup here? This looks pretty sweet, actually. I kind of like this. So this is not Zoom. Look at this. Look at the stuff yeah. this can do. Oh, maybe this kind of makes me want to short Zoom. This is pretty <laughs> That's good. That's what I said I, yesterday. I'm looking at this. I'm like, this setup's pretty sweet. Let's see. If we get through with no hiccups, we'll come back to that short Zoom thesis, but Zoom is actually just to start on a technical. This 350 level in Zoom, this was the level we got back into September, and we are trying to hold right there. So I'd say that 350 level is not looking too bad there. But, you know, we're not going to start with the technicals. We're going to start with the overall market here. So quiet markets, Joel. But, I mean, we've been relentless this year. This 2020 year started bliss, went to piss. And right back and finishing blissfully here, uh, right near new all-time highs. How are you, Joel Alconan, going into 2021? Uh, neutral, you know. Neutral? Yeah. You sold all your stocks? No, 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 no. Neutral is flat. Neutral, neutral just has my bias oh, okay. uh, in the markets. Uh We'll just have to see. I mean, we're, but I mean, just, um, you know, sticking with uh, the long term. Might do a little looking today, a little trimming before the close or whatever to see. Uh, but no, I mean, just the market's had one hell of a year. The big sigh of relief after being down at 2,200 up to 3,700. So 
to actually 37 and uh, 3,700 and beyond. So right now the trend is your friend. That trend's been up. So Mr. Spencer Israel, I'm going to ask you the same question. How are you approaching 2021? Uh, I am going with the trend. Until until anyone until anyone says otherwise, so you know what? That's a winning recipe. Go with the trend. I mean, that works. That's how JC does it, and he's pretty consistent over there. So go with the flow. And Mm -hmm. the last one, Mitch is hiding in the background, so I don't know if Mitch wants to come on and say what he's how he's approaching twenty twenty one. But I've asked everyone. So Mitch, are you hiding there? I don't even know if his camera's on. when i see the christmas tree in the background uh, it gets me so relaxed i'm so hyper in the morning and i see mitch and was <laughs> really? like, ah, calm it's oh. a little bit like amory band just calming feeling there and he's got the mountains the mountains <laughs> are climbing and i must go that, they're calling they're calling what are so, you doing what are you doing 2021 I, I am actually going to be opening a new portfolio, guys. I've been really working hard on the story approach. So nice. I'm going to be working hard in 2021 to approach more of these stories and really try to work a portfolio to diversify in these plays. Like I always say, we don't make one trade make us or break us. I stick with that too. Stay diversified in your trading portfolio and you'll stay in the game a hell of a lot longer. May not get rich fast, but you won't get broke fast either. So... Okay, so let's get going. We're five minutes in. We're wait, talking wait, wait, real fast. Before we go, he's got a quick question, uh, and I want to confirm it with you guys. You can in the U.S. You can still do tax loss harvesting today. You yes. Can, yes. Okay. Because in the U.S., we go by the trade date, yes. not the settle date. So if anyone has any losses that they're looking uh, to take advantage of, which they shouldn't have. <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> um, it was a struggle to find them. <laughs> uh, if you have any losses or if you have any gains you want to offset by any losses, you can still sell today. That's you bought Fubo uh, like three days ago. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So just everyone know you can still do tax loss harvesting today. Canada All right. was the 29th. So it's over for Canada. Anything you're selling today is hitting 2021's earnings. So um, Canada goes by the settle date. U.S. goes by the trade date. They changed that. It used to be settle date everywhere. They changed that in the U.S. a number of years ago. So yeah. So you're good to go if you're an American citizen. If you're Canadian, you should have been listening two days ago. Um, okay, let's go to these clips. I've, like I said, I've compiled 20. So this first one, and, and we're going to go in chronological order. Uh, so obviously there's a, there's a lot of clips from the from the beginning of the year. Uh, this first one is from January 27th. Is actually the very first time that coronavirus or the pandemic or anything about that was mentioned on our show. Uh, and I'll play that clip. And so you, you'll see us on the side. You'll play the, I'll play the clip and, and I'll have the date. Nothing bad, nothing bad. Uh, but here we go. This clip is from January 27th. I mean, let's put it in perspective. We are still, if you look at the S&Ps, what, well, we lost one and a half percent here this morning, coupled with Friday's loss. So you're sitting around two and a half to three percent off the highs. Nothing to get that nervous about. But then you start reading about this thing. And I wasn't that nervous on Friday. You know, if we were talking, I was like, hey, they probably buy it back. You know, I kind of shrug it off. But as you're reading more on the weekend here, you're like, this isn't good. I mean, this virus is not good. I mean, you know, there's been people that have been saying, oh, it's not as bad as SARS or not as bad as Ebola. But then I'm reading other things that's saying it's worse because it's more contagious. Yes, the death rate is slightly lower, but at the current rates, you know, the reproductive rates on this thing, that this thing could be global in a couple of months. So it sounds scary. That was that was prophetic. I was scared. 
<laughs> I was scared. Actually, yeah, it went global. So <laughs> this is when I started getting nervous about my long-term portfolio. I've never been nervous about a virus before. Um, I didn't sell everything with SARS, but I was starting in late January. I was just on Twitter too much looking at what was happening in China. And I'm like, holy man, this is looking like, you know, I'm watching them watch with the drive down the road with the bleach trucks and spraying bleach into the air. Oh, remember that? People remember into their that? homes. And I'm like, this is not normal. I'm like, and how are they containing this? Because I still see flights coming in, you know, how are they really containing this? So I started getting nervous. And this is when me and you, Joel, you know, we were talking, we're like, maybe we should buy some puts on the long-term portfolio. And I never buy puts. And I'm like, you know, maybe I'm just going to buy some puts just in case. So I bought a whole bunch of spy puts. I bought. Well, well actually, it's funny oh, you mentioned. It's funny you mentioned that. Coming into that. That's the next clip. Okay, so, I'm not going to ruin it. So, so this is three days later. This okay, is three, this is when I'm full on nervous. January 30th. Dennis officially gets gets scared and and turns bearish. Here we go. The World Health Organization saying it's not a full fledged emergency here yet. But it's still very, very scary. And the situation is very scary. And I've been nervous for a few days. If you've been listening to the show, I lightened up my portfolio in the last two days. I sold a number of stocks out of my long-term portfolio. And I also bought puts on the SPY. I also bought puts on some airlines. So just playing the bounce. I mean, uh, fading that bounce, classic fade of the bounce. I sold my iRobot yesterday in the 54 handle. I sold Etsy. I sold my Twitter. Remember, I sold my Kohl's. I sold a number of stocks out of the long-term portfolio. I have the most cash I've had probably in a decade in my portfolio here right now. Dude. I was very scared. Obviously, I should have held that Etsy. I didn't know about the lockdown trade versus the reopening trade back on January 30th. <laughs> I was just selling everything. I was like, I'm selling stocks. And I was like trying to sell stocks that I didn't have huge capital gains in because I didn't want to lock in. Like, I've owned a Google for a decade, so I'm not going to go sell my Google that I'm up 500% or MasterCard. I'm up 1,600%. I was looking at recent purchases, like stuff that I wasn't up a lot in, just trying to liquidate that stuff first. And then I'm like, okay, now on the rest of the stuff, I'm going to buy some spy puts. And me and you were talking, Joel, we're going to buy some airline puts. I'm like, and we we had figured we had this whole thing figured out. January 30th, they're like, we got this figured out. This is going to get ugly. This is going to get sloppy. This is going to get messy. And what happened to us? Yeah, the market rallied. We were too early. Uh, yeah. And yeah. all of those puts that I bought, the spy puts, the airline puts, and you know, I and there was a bunch of other ones too. Yeah. All of those puts expired worthless. The whole first round of puts yeah. expired worthless. So, fun February, so, yep. so funnily enough, uh, Joel didn't even need a pandemic to be bearish. Joel was already bearish. <laughs> Here's what Joel had to say about that. This this was also from January 30th, right after Dennis said okay. he sold a bunch of stocks. Take out the coronavirus as a catalyst, sure. right? I mean, I like to look at that from that perspective. I mean, even before that happening, you look at the, the gains from 2019, tacked them on in 2020. Very extraordinary market. Coming into an election year also, I mean, usually the market performs pretty well in the election here, but I think you got a lot of circumstances going on here, you know, besides uh, this coronavirus and the expectations for the market just to keep going up and up and up and up and up is just not a realistic expectation. It's good for the market to back and fill. It's good for the market to come in a little bit, consolidate and grab some momentum. Unfortunately, it's, you know, instigating this. That's a, you know, that's a horrible thing. So yeah. you can look at it from a lot of different angles here. 
Well, I guess there's things that are right about that and things that are wrong about that because we just didn't yeah, exactly. kept on going back up. Um, yeah, we were okay. short term, probably right long term. Well, actually, yep. short term, we were wrong because, I, like I said, all those puts expired worthless. So I don't know where the next clip is going, but I was like, coming to like the second week of February, I was like, can I be this wrong? I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm seeing this virus and I'm like, this is spreading like crazy. Can it really? And Chris Camilo was on our show. And you know, I had talked with Chris even back then. And he had gotten really bearish. And I, you know, and I was saying, like, can like we be this wrong? Like, is this really, you know, is the whole world, Chris said on the show, is the whole world wrong? And, you know, we're right? I don't know. But I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm still not confident enough to, you know, get back in the market. So I'm like, I'm sold more stocks in February. And mm-hmm. then I reloaded all of my puts, all the puts that expired worthless. My whole first round expired worthless. I reloaded my spy puts. I reloaded the airlines. I, re- I reloaded whatever I could. Um, and then what did I do? I went on vacation. I know. Right. Well, I okay. just want to, want to hop in here for one second. Oh, yeah. Um, this whole time, uh, Lisa's coming home from the office and she's saying, I, I'm calling the health department. I, I don't have gear. I, no one knows how to deal with this. I'm scared. You know, we, we, we're not going to close the office. We have to, you know, we have to serve our patients and everything. And she, she, she got responses from congressmen. I don't know if she went to set it, but this is like, so she, she's saying that she's coming home every day and says, no one knows what the hell to do. And I'm like, oh my God. And then uh, there's some later clips. I remember having a discussion with Brent. Uh, and a little bit later on, but where's the next? I don't want to spend too much yeah. time on one clip, but uh, jumping, yeah, we're jumping ahead. So, uh, this is this is now the first week of February, this is February 3rd. Uh, uh and then then it's getting like not knowing what the hell's going then on. This is getting even, even more bearish, even more bearish. Here we go. Nice rally here this morning. Obviously, we had the ugly day on Friday where the market finally started to get some sense into it. We, I've been challenging the market all week and not understanding why it won't go down with the potential contagion here and i don't know if it's a contagion what do they call it? a pandemic potentially uh-huh. but the potential pandemic we'll call it i have not understood at all why the market continues to be so resilient it's resilient again here this morning i still think like i was saying before i'm not buying dips i'm selling reps i sold more friday morning before we started dipping i actually sold s&p uh, spy out of my long-term portfolio which i've never done before and i also sold something else too Oh, I sold a manual life, which is Canadian. I was like, nah, I'm not owning that one either. So just lightening up the portfolio. I'm actually at a portion now where my portfolio is probably as much cash as I've had since the financial crisis. So but we'll see. You know, I'm making a call that I, I think we're only early innings. And then market kept on going up and Dennis got yeah. more, more and more confused. I, I, I was like, I still like, a, like I jumped ahead, but I yep. couldn't believe it. I mean, that's when I, you know, I reached out to Chris Camilo because I knew on Dumb Money he was talking the same thing as I was like, and he's like, couldn't figure it out either. Yep. You know, why do we keep going up when the whole, you know, China? This is this this is this is a pretty obvious thing. I mean, at this time, it's like they're not going to contain this virus. This is spreading. So. So we, we got a couple epic rants coming up here. This is this is two days I'm later. I'm mad because I have. I'm actually getting mad that the market's going up. I'm at this point in yeah. time. I'm very flustered. I've sold stocks. I'm I'm way wrong so far because the markets went up like three percent in my face. I own puts, sold stocks. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. What uh, what date is way the next early? Clip? Way early. What what date is the next clip? 
this is February 5th. It's two days later. Okay. Yeah, okay. give us the clips bang, 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 because yeah. we got to get to like merch. Right. This is my analogy, and I think this is how the markets are going to trade going forward. We've got a lot of bad news last night. A cruise ship gets quarantined in Japan, 10 people aboard. Death's toll obviously increasing the numbers. Not great. S&P futures trade down. Overnight, what happens? Rumors of a vaccine. Vaccine rumors trump all. And here is the issue that I have for my short thesis is that Russia, you know, and everybody has been saying we're six months to 12 months away from a vaccine. But if we're going to rally 30 handles every single time we get rumors of a vaccine, we're going to probably get rumors of a vaccine in the next six months. We're probably going to get them three times a week. So if we're going to rally 30 handles every single time we get a vaccine, how can you be short? Because that's going to trump all. The rumors of the vaccine are going to trump all. You were wrong. It, it, it was 60 handles every time we got uh, a rumor of a vaccine, not 30 handles. Frustrated, frustrated with that, too. I wasn't trying to cheer the end of the world because nobody wants the end of the world. But I wanted the markets to, like, price in my thesis. And I was like, I didn't get it. I did not understand it for a whole month that really went on where the markets completely ignored all the tea leaves. And the market ended up being wrong. So, so this is the last pre-crash. Pre before, before the SIHI yep. blank hits the fan. This Thank is you, Dennis. February 18th. I didn't swear for you, Joel. February 18th. When you're talking 800 million people under quarantine and the market's making new all-time highs, it's the most irrational market I've ever seen in my life. It is not trading on logic. It is not trading on fear. The only fear it trades on is the fear of missing out. But, you know, I've been trying to play the short side on this market a few times, and I've been burned. So you know, off of the coronavirus. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll buy my puts on my long-term portfolio. I'm going to play it long. You know, that the play almost is like, bought, the insurance is so bloody cheap. You know, when it's down there looking out, I was almost wondering if the play isn't just to buy a whole pile of spy and hedge it all with puts going out three, five months. And, you know, if this turns into nothing, the spy is probably going to rip a lot more than 3%. If it turns into something, well, you lose 3%. So, and if you really turn it into something, then the play is just to buy it flat out put. So, but the options, I just think are not pricing in any of this. Uh, that was it. And that's where I was like, I'm just buying puts. So I, I, maybe I didn't buy that whole. I had bought some puts originally, but that's when I reloaded. That's when I was like, I am buying puts on everything because they were cheap. I picked up the 325 spy and I went out to June. I was like, screw it. I'm not going out three weeks this time. That I'm was a out, good move. I'm going I know. out four I months. I know. I know. Because I'm like, not trying to time when the shit's going to hit the fan, but I'm like, it's going to hit it by June. And I went out, and, and the spy was trading around three thirty-five. And I bought the three twenty-fives, and I think I paid four bucks for four or five bucks, Joel, going out to to, to three thirty-five yep. or three twenty-five. So obviously, I'm making money at like three twenty spy, and we know what happened in the next month. Yeah, the uh, February expiration that was the following week or the the end of that week, and you That's know, what started well. Well, the expiration, no, because no, I know they burned I, it on the, they burned uh, yeah, everyone on the yeah, expiration. It, was, it started yeah, the week after that. Yeah, one more month. Like, if it, you know, and I always on the timing of this. And if, I mean, like the greatest, you know, lesson that I've learned from 2020, I mean, we started talking about it in, you know, January. So I'm thinking, I, I was thinking the same thing, like February, but it was actually, it really did hit the home run 
was the March expiration, but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. What's the what's the next one for us? This one's a big day. This is March second. This is a big day for a couple of reasons. One, it was Joel's last day in the office, <laughs> maybe forever. <laughs> uh, and two, it was the day that Dennis came back from vacation. Dennis went away to Jamaica, right? And Dennis came yeah. back. He missed the first week of craziness. Yeah. He missed everything. And this is the response. This is what we were greeted with when Dennis came back from vacation on March. Welcome back, Triple D. What's going on? Not much. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah? How was the vacation? It was interesting. Anyway, so, oh, yeah, I got to take my mask off here. I'm okay now. (laughs) Oh, oh, you you sound better. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just kidding with you guys. Just kidding. I haven't (laughs) wore the mask. I have not wore the mask, but I do have them. 3M, like 3M, I do have them, but no, I haven't worn it. So I don't think we're out of that. I don't think we're there yet that I need to wear the mask on the radio show. So I'll take it off for the radio show. It was good. So you know what, though? That has got to be the most expensive vacation I've ever taken in my life. Oh, my God. I, was- I missed the best week of trading in a decade. What's up? Wow. I thought it could get ugly, and I actually was prepared, obviously. You know, we had talked about this for a while. So I had my spy puts and okay, so back up. We've had this vacation book. We went to Jamaica, me and my wife, kids, friends of the family, their kids had this vacation book for the last three months. Everybody is pumped for it. I thought about canceling this vacation nonstop for the last week and a half, like just bailing on it. But I was like, everybody wants to go. I don't want to be the person. When I left last Friday, the markets were literally 2% off the all time highs. So I'm like, you know what? I'm scared. But I think we're ahead of it. I think this could be an ugly week for the markets, but I'm not going to cancel my vacation because of, you know, a potential opportunity cost. Anyways, it turns out I obviously should have maybe canceled the vacation because the market rolls over 3,000 points when I'm away. So a lot of opportunity cost on that vacation there. But regardless, I had a good time. The kids had a great time. We enjoyed ourselves. The resort was fairly empty, to be honest with you. It was about, they said it holds 1,500 and we were at 900 people. So it wasn't too full. It was a beautiful resort. Kids swam every day. I was in the lazy river relaxing while the markets were falling thousands of points. So it was very, very, very interesting to take a week off. But I was checking constantly. I couldn't stop myself. Yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I want to make two comments on that. Um, the Friday before, I don't know what the date was. I was in the office and, uh, and I don't know, Brent, I don't know. He said, I want to talk to you. Or I'm like, I looked at him. I'm like, Brett, what's wrong? And he's like, man, this news flow. He goes, it's, it's, he goes, I've never seen it like this. And I think that's when things were starting to explode in Europe. And I'm like, well, you know, and and, you know, he just was concerned and it was, it was, it was the news flow. And then I came and then over the, I came home and then that Monday, you know, Lisa's like, you know, you can't go down to the office anymore. I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) She's like, "Well, well, she goes, she goes, I may be, you know, people are coming in my office. I don't know what the exposure is. I don't have the right equipment. If I get sick and you get sick and you go downtown, then you're going to get the whole office sick. And I was like, okay. You know, I mean, it, it made sense in, in, in March. And then that, that was the last, that was the last, I can't believe it's coming up on a year, but I just remember that sequence of events 
And then I think it was that Friday or the following Friday. When did uh, Clump de- declare the national uh, the state of emergency? I don't. Uh, sometime it was, if not that week, the week after. Okay, because I remember I, I texted Dennis and I said, you know, oh man, I, like when that that hit, I was like, oh my god, I said that I go, we're we're gonna crash, and he's like, and this was your text. You said, don't worry about your portfolio, worry about your family. Is what he said, and I, I picked up the phone, and we were supposed to move Emily home the next week. I picked up the phone. I told Lisa, I pulled out her office. I said, "We're driving to Virginia, and we're picking up Emily, and we're moving her home overnight." And she goes, "Why?" And I'm like, "I called the police station." I'm like, "Are you guys closing the roads?" And they're like, "No, no." And then the following week, I believe it was Friday the 13th that we ended up doing that. But yeah. Hopefully never experience something like that again, but a little long on that rant. Go ahead with the next one. We were all scared, but thankfully we had Anne-Marie Band on that very day. On, we had Anne-Marie Band, and she uh, has a very calming effect uh, on us, a uh, very, very measured way of looking at things. And this is how she was approaching things on March 2nd. This is Anne-Marie Band. Now, what we want to do is automatically go, oh my gosh, this is my shot. I've got to participate. The moves are so big, but... Step back a minute and say, wait a second, what is the risk of engaging and engaging incorrectly when you've got massive moves and you do not have the feel that Dennis is talking about? You're going to lose a lot of money. So you have two choices. You can step back and watch. For me, I trade to eat. So the market is a buffet every day and I cannot eat an elephant in one sitting. I'm going to have one plate. And so you can go in and every day take a small chunk out of the market. And if you have that approach, you will develop consistent motion. If you go in and say, here, I'm ready to bag my elephant, and you don't have the skill, the mental fortitude, or the capital to manage the kinds of rocket moves that could come you are going to blow your account out and there's nothing wrong with watching. So calming. I even feel calmer now again. <laughs> it's therapeutic almost. Her voice is just amazing. But <laughs> anyways, um, it's a good, I mean, that's the, the one thing. Like when you're getting into markets that you don't understand, it's not a bad thing to sit on the sidelines and get some education and learn. I mean, I get down and dirty in this. I've been through a couple of, you know, I, I love market crashes as a trader because there is just so many inefficiencies and I'm an inefficiency trader. And it's not a coincidence. I took the first week of March. I missed, you know, the first three or four days of March. And that was still my best month in a decade. Like in, in, since 2008, that was my best month since 2008. Um, because there's just so many inefficiencies. I mean, people are just going crazy. And like, uh, and what I mean by inefficiencies is, you know, looking at just basically pairs trading. You know, this stock's here, this stock's here. I'll short this one, this one, because these are related. And, you know, and they eventually do come back in, and sometimes they quickly come back in. But um, markets, when you're going straight down, you're a long-only trader. Like you don't short stocks. The only, th- when the market's going down, you're going to get hurt if you're engaging. It's hard to just, you know, okay, it's going straight down, but I'm going to buy this little dip and make money, buy this little dip and make money. It's a 90% chance you're probably going to lose money when the market's going straight down, you're long only. So, I mean, that's the one thing, like I said, I'm, that's why, you know, I, I say to traders who are starting to get in, you know, farther into their trading career, you eventually do need to add the short side because markets go two ways. It's not always going to be like this market that's been straight up since March. 
I just want to just I add one thing on that, and that was when we were getting a lot of the the limit situations, uh, and uh, I think one thing you know the markets were just I, I thought they I mean not like the technically like the returns that every get, everyone got you know by buying, but just you know between the spy and the spoos and just you know the way things were trading. It, it, it held together. And, uh, you know, Dennis said, you know, we go through our spy and spoo battles and everything. And when the spoos were locked limit, we were looking at the spy. So I don't know you know, how many people were listening to the show back then. Uh, but I mean, that was just, you know, just being through it, been through it before, looking at it, looking at all the different factors. And then, like you said, Anne Marie comes on and, uh, you know, and talks calmly. I remember that too. I remember that. Uh, that was a good one. All right, Spencer, how are we doing on a, are we time? Are we spending We're, we're, we're doing great. No, we're doing great. I don't want okay. to, to appear that we got everything right because we didn't. This no. Is, this no, is one thing. No. This is one thing that we did not get right. This is from March 23rd. Bottom line oh, yeah. is we aren't going to be, have any sustainable rally. We're not going to rip up to 280 or 300 on the spy until we get a cure or a vaccine. That's going to be the difference. And if we can get that, I will start buying stocks in my long-term portfolio. Until they show me something that really, really works, I'm going to stay with 80% cash in my long-term portfolio because the economy is suffering significantly because of this. But it has to. It's short-term pain for the long-term gain of saving lives. Now that's notable because what day that was more that, that was the day. That was, that was the day. It should have went all in that day. That was the <laughs> bottom. And in hindsight, we can say, oh, it's because that was the day that the Fed came in. But we didn't know it at the time. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they came in a couple times. times. Yeah. Yeah. No, but did. that was Joel, that was the first day. That was March twenty. That was the day. That was the very first time the Fed came in with 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 a with a new uh, uh stimulus program. Well, and, the Fed was buying spoos the whole time. So, I mean, you know, who else was in there buying them when we were going down like that? But there was one other day where, and I remember I caught a short off it when they, they took the, um, the, what did they take? They took the Fed funds rate to zero. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit earlier. I remember that happening. But, uh, yeah, yep, that was the, that I was remember, the yep, that was, yeah. And if it's interesting, too, because if you look look back, you know, some stocks, you know, bought them a few days ahead of that, few few stocks, you know, a few days after. But if you ever come into that situation again, and who knows, man, I go back and I look at the monthlies. And it is incredible where some of these stocks ended up finding a bottom. And it wasn't on no daily chart. It wasn't on no it, it looked like It was like stocks were going to go to zero. I mean, Wendy's was one, W-E-N. It went from $24 to 6 bucks. I mean, in three weeks. The, the moves were just absolutely incredible. We had no precedence. You know, Ackman was on CNBC. Remember the Ackman rant and saying, you know, and he went, you know, and obviously, you know, he ended up, you know, turning around and, and covering a lot of his shorts and, and going along right around that time, which was a genius move. But, you know, what, what, what what's the precedence for shutting companies down and companies going to zero revenue? I mean, how long do they survive? So it looked like there was going to be a lot of companies that were actually going to go out of business. But what changed everything was the lockdown. It actually worked. And we flattened the curve. And I think about two weeks later, this is like I did not buy hardly any stocks. I, like on March 23rd, I was sitting with 70 or 80% cash in the long-term portfolio. And then the lockdown, I tweeted it that day. It was like April the 1st. I was like flattening the curve rally. And that's when I started buying stocks. So I didn't buy at the bottom, 
but I started getting some of my stocks back. And obviously, I had sold all of the stuff before the thing started. So I'm still, you know, I, I'm selling a 325 spy. And, you know, and you're down here at 230 spy. Well, you're still making money at 250 spy, 265 spy, 270 spy. But by this time, I'd covered all of my puts. So I'm no longer hedged on the long term portfolio, but I'm still sitting with all that stocks that I sold. I need to reget those. And I remember I was scrambled for the next month trying to reload the portfolio, April, May, June. It was like the next couple of months. I was scrambling to reload it. But every time we get a pullback, you know, I was using that opportunity to try to get some of my long term portfolio back. So fast forward a couple of weeks and market, what happens? Market starts going up, right? We get in that flat yeah, the, curve the curve rally. And we were skeptical, but a couple of guests, several guests came on our show and they were bullish and we yeah. were, we were skeptical. But the first one was Craig Johnson. He came oh, out yeah, on, the show yeah. on on April 9th um, and he was bullish. He was very bullish. And this is, this is what he said on, on April 9th. But right now it looks like the bad news has been priced in. This has been a bear market. As my good friend, Jim Paulson has said, this was like a hypersonic bear market that played out very, very quickly. And a lot of that got priced in extremely quickly. And right now, I look at all my breath measures, all my gauges, all my sentiment things, and they got washed out to zero. And guys, I've only seen that happen now five times since the 1960s. This is the fifth. And when I get readings this low and I look out going forward, I find that the market on average is higher 13% 26 weeks later. So again, sentiment with the put-call ratio, I look at the AAII numbers, I will look at those short-term gauges and sentiment, and they really look like they were fairly well washed out. And now, again, from the conversations I'm having with managers, they're starting to fear that they're missing out. That was that was spot on. That was right. And, and I was sitting there and listening to it, and I was like, you know, he's making good points. And I'm like, could we? You know, I, I kept thinking at this point it was just a dead cat bounce, and we were eventually going to retest the lows. And that's why I wasn't going all in, but I was like, you know what? In case I'm wrong, I'm gonna every time we're gonna dip, I'm gonna buy a little bit of stocks, buying stocks that I thought would do okay. And I remember two of the first stocks, and when this one we started to see this lockdown versus reopening trade start to appear, but I was like, what is gonna I'm like sitting there, I'm like, okay, what stocks do I wanna own? What is actually going to do okay? If we're in this, you know, predicament here for the foreseeable future, and I remember Target had bad numbers, and it went from like 115 down to 100 bucks, and I loaded up Target, and UPS did the same thing. UPS had missed numbers, and I bought UPS, I think, around the same thing, around 100 bucks, and those were two of the first stocks that I started to reload, and obviously those worked out. Um, I think Mitch wanted to jump in real quick. Yeah, I just wanted to ask a question. Um, like he just mentioned that it was kind of one of the fastest bear markets that we've ever seen. Joel and Dennis, have you guys ever seen a market like that? Not fall that fast. Like it, it fell. So he, this gives you perspective. You just started in April. Maybe you don't realize. In, in, in March, we fell 30, over 30% in three weeks. The overall market fell 30% in three weeks. That that's the fastest fall I've ever seen. And even in the financial crisis, Joel, I don't think we fell thirty no. percent in three weeks. No. We fell sixty percent overall, I believe. So it was ugly, you know, significantly ugly. Think about that. If market falls sixty percent. Your two to one margin. Your account is gone if you're long. So you got to think about that type of stuff. Thanks for the tip, Alan. More hundred bucks. Boom. We appreciate and, it. And then we got a thousand PHP, but I don't know what PHP is. <laughs> we don't know what PHP is. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, though, for the PHPs. Uh, yeah. We uh, are not... only accepting Bitcoin donations. <laughs> you down with PHP? Yeah, you know me. 
<laughs> so so anyways to answer your question mitch the answer is no i've been 21 years in the in the tech bubble i do i it got uglier too i mean nasdaq went from 5100 to a thousand we went down 81 percent in the nasdaq so but it didn't happen in three weeks it happened over the course of you know a year like we topped out and then we had these snapback rallies we weren't even getting snapback rallies in this s p sell-off it was just down 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 it's like they were giving you no outs and don't kid yourself some people got really hurt in that market some people got really hurt in march not everybody was a hero i was a lot of people who were long and they got buried trying to buy that first dip so i mean can this stuff happen again absolutely it can happen again do i see tea leaves for it happening again no not right now and that's why i'm fairly confident to be you know pretty pretty long in my portfolio here but you know what i did right was get out of stocks in February. What I did wrong was I took too long to get back in. All right, uh, the chat says PHP is Filipino pesos. So uh, just you know, one comment too is, uh, on this is that the machines, you know, got ahead of everybody on the way down, right? And the people that were selling and the machines beat them. The machines turned, okay, and the human element still trying to evaluate everything that's going on. The machines took it up so fast that a lot of people didn't, you know, they were trying to, you know, redeploy. You were thinking, okay, okay, you know, it's going to, a lot of people were like, is it going to retest the low? It's going to wait for a retest. I thought it was. was And it was, it just, boom, the machine, you know, machines were just coming in and they got way, way ahead of the market. And then, so the big boys that sold on the way down, they just didn't. And, And this is, you know, my thesis, you know, for years, you know, we used to say, that you know the market goes down a lot faster than it goes up. I think with the machines now, I I I just you know it's just it's different now. It happens it's, even faster. Yeah, yeah. You, I, you I, it's almost it, equal. You're you're 100 right, and it goes to market structure here, yep. where you've got all algorithmic market makers now. All your market makers are algorithms, and they can just go shut down boom, and there's no markets. I mean, the human being, and if you go back, even the way it was set up back in like 2000 or 2008, you did have affirmative obligations on the trading floor. And most of the trades, you know, on the NYSE were traded on the NYSE. So you had a specialist on the floor to cushion the blow. And that, you know, that designated market maker, they call them now, is not obligated like they used to be. And and they shouldn't be. I mean, it's not the same markets it used to be. We rely very much on high-frequency market making for our liquidity now. And that liquidity vanishes in times of stress, which we saw, obviously, back in March. And that's why these falls can happen so quickly. All right. Uh, this is a very short clip from Ross Gerber on April 17th. He was also bullish. And he got the timeline right. I'll play, I'll play this clip after I find it. I can tell you the factors, but what I do think is the market will hit all-time highs again this year. I think that the liquidity is crazy. I think this thing is going to get solved. I think it'll be later in the year, and I think if Joe Biden takes the presidency in November and this thing gets cured, 2021 is amazing. There we wow, go. that's where we are right now. Okay, if I mean that story... was a great call. Everything about that was a great call. Yeah, call the election then. Yeah, call the election. The, call the, the recovery. The Good call. If the story of the year was the coronavirus, story of the year of the markets was coronavirus, then the second story of the year was SPACs. Uh, so this is a clip from May, I'm sorry, April 26th. Kenny Glick was on our show. He was the first person to mention SPACs on our show on April 26th. <laughs> Here is, and Joel and I, I remember talking to Joel after, we were like skeeved out. 
um, by the move that this stock had. But I will play this clip now from Kenny Glake on April 26th. I want stocks that make no sense. I want stocks that go up all the time. Don't have any footing in reality at all, like Tesla and space and VTIQ, baby. Come on, they're revolutionizing the trucking world. Wait, what's that one? I don't know that one. What's that one? VTIQ? Oh, get in right now. Hurry. (laughs) Hurry. VTIQ. Yeah, Victor Tom Indigo Q. They, I don't know. My buddy tells me they're going to, they're a disruptor in the something, something. So I bought it because it broke 15. I was like, I don't care what the story is. It looks, if it it consolidated, it broke 15. I'm in, it's going to 20. So VTIQ, of course, became Nikola. Yeah. And uh, it blasted off. We were off to the races. (laughs) That was the start of the SPAC attack. And that was like, from it went from 15 to 93 dollars uh, obviously yeah. it ended in tears but i mean that was the one that really kick-started the SPACs. i think like that was the one that everybody was talking about like this you know stock you know went and there was ev play and like kenny was saying he didn't know anything about it but it didn't matter the people who were trading didn't know much about it but it didn't matter it was just flying and obviously it ended up turning out not to be what everybody thought it was or at least at this point in time it's not what everybody thinks it is yep. but i mean this is was the start of the spack attack man this was the start <laughs> we had everything oh yeah uh, and Kenny i mean, was I remember joel, joel and i were like what is, we were talking like, what is this vector iq what is this company? i didn't know what it was yeah. i never know what spacks i just thought were ten dollar stocks that didn't move i yeah, had seen yeah. these things for years i was like oh it's a spack they don't do anything because like, for years this is what Ten dollars. They just sit at ten dollars. They don't do anything, and half of them don't get an acquisition. They just sit there and do nothing. I was like, I, "Who trades backs yeah. for for a decade?" You know, these things. Are, it's not <laughs> like this just came out. They were always there. They just didn't do anything. Yeah. So the year that the SPAC became interesting. All right, this clip is from the next day. Dennis wanted uh, wanted to buy the dip on April twenty seventh. This is what I found. So this is just the market that it is. It's the buy- ultimate. Buy the dip market right now. Every time we dip on anything, it feels like, except the stocks, so I'm going to put a little asterisk, except for the stocks that are at ground zero, like the airlines, the casinos. Now, although the casinos, they started to buy the dips on those too. So, but there's certain stocks that have been ignored. But for the most part, if you're a company that is somewhat sound and not directly impacted by this, buy the dip has been working better than it ever has before. Target last week, Intel. Just keep looking through the examples and the overall S&P. I mean, overnight, same story. You get a dip. You think crude's getting killed. S&P's bound to probably go down and it does go down for a little bit. But we'll find the silver lining somehow in this silver lining lit up market and we'll buy it right back again. So this is the market that we're in. That's when I started buying the dip actively. And I remember what I said, how I'm going to reload my portfolio because I was sitting with way too much cash. And I'm literally a month off the bottom, but we haven't rallied substantially yet. I mean, we're sitting, you know, on April 17th, we're sitting around 260, 270 spy. We're off the lows. But I'm like, I can remember it was like 240 spy, 250 spy, and the lockdown was working. It would flatten the curve. And, you know, the cases were going down. I'm like, I am like, need to get stocks back. So every time we were in earnings season and every time there would be an earnings dip, I would just buy it. I would just buy it. And I bought UPS. I bought Target. I bought, you know, and I still have some of these stocks, um, but I was just using that opportunity on individual stocks. And I remember even saying on the show how I'm going to rebuild my portfolio is every time we get an earnings dip, I'm going to buy the stock. 
And that's how I ended up getting a lot of my portfolio back. And obviously my portfolio, my long-term portfolio, a trading portfolio is completely different. I'm long, short, we know I'm neutral, but I'm talking the long-term investment portfolio where I had went from fully invested, you know, in January to 70 or 80% cash, you know, in February, March, and, and to actually having puts, so probably making money as the market goes down to, you know, the implosion and then being late to come to reality that the bottom had been put in. I so think I was at least a month late. Yeah, and I think one that I can remember, at least my psychology was, okay, well, this this quarter is not really going to reflect, you know, the crux of the pandemic, right? Because it was still pretty early in reporting. And so I was, I was thinking, okay, the hammer is going to come down in the next quarter where I was wrong on that. I mean, the stocks got hit in that quarter. They were bought and then... They just, they, I remember talking on the show, it's like, well, they're, they're giving the stock a pass. They would have like horrible, lost all the money and it was horrible and the stock would open up down and then rally back. And there were, there were people that were obviously, you, Dennis, were looking at it and looking forward. But I think one, one mistake I made there was like, okay, well, th- this is not going to be the bad quarter. The next quarter is going to be the next one. And it turned out not to be. If there is one clip, one moment this year that epitomizes the craziness, it happened on May 22nd uh, with our boss, Jason Rasnick. Um, I would just note, watch what Joel does at the beginning of this clip. This is very funny. This happened at the end of the show. It was like 9 o'clock. It was like 8.58 when, when this went down. Um, basically, what happened is Dan, uh, Jason predicted a headline moments before it happened. Crazy. <laughs> watch what Joel does. It's pretty funny. He bails. Okay, XSPA just blasted off here, Jason, right now. Wait, I, I was oh, my God. Moving? Oh, my God. All right. So, okay. anyways. Uh, I, you know what? Wow. I'm like signing said, out, guys. This yeah, I'll, let just, guys I'll let you guys finish. I'll let you guys finish. Yeah. A lot of people apparently like what Jason has to say. <laughs> All right. That's a nice move there. All right. I'll check okay, that, You can't ever get trades <laughs> like that, but I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> that This is going to blow your mind, too, but 9 o'clock, contract J. So, there's an actual headline that just broke saying oh. exactly what Jason just said. So really? Yeah. I'm kind of in shock here right now. So express boss. Oh my God. Oh my God. Jason. What? With JFK international airport for COVID screenings. So how did you do that? I didn't. I would have bought more shares yesterday. Spencer, if I really knew that. Wow. Yeah. That just hit the tape. They signed a contract I, I, for, for it, COVID-19. this is like the biggest coincidental thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that, that was unbelievable it was the biggest coincidental thing i've ever seen in my life joel's like did he know so i'm getting the hell out of here <laughs> no it, no it no no like the doorbell like rang strikes. the doorbell UPS rang. guy was here you yes yeah, joel was like i'm out of here it was crazy though he predicted on the show like five minutes earlier three minutes earlier that expo was going to get in COVID testing because he had done the research looking and this was just great research that they had hired some doctor and why would they right. do that um, you know, three weeks ago. And then the headline broke at 9 a.m. It literally came from PR, which is a different source than Benzinga. So it's not like Benzinga broke this no, headline. It, 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 came from it was like up. a press release. It went out to the it was press a press release, release from the company, Expo, saying <laughs> we're getting in COVID screening. And, I was, and the stock blasted off 100% in the next like 20 minutes. And I was like, we're like, me and Spencer's jaws, like, what just Dumb. happened here? Did you have like a vision? Like, how did you know that was going to happen? And he didn't know anything. It was just a huge coincidence, but unbelievable research by Jason Rasnick to predict that they were going to get into COVID. He thought they were going to get into COVID testing. Yep. Um, and they got into COVID um, screening. Or screening. Uh, yeah. Right. It, it was the yeah. airport. Yeah. 
Right. Anyway, exactly. it, was, it was slightly different. Different. I, but, right. But it, in either way, great call by Jason. That was like the best live call on this show ever because it the story materialized three minutes later. Yep. So it was unbelievable. So- so fast forward to June 8th and market's going up and everything is really rallying. Right? Airlines are rallying, the cruise oh, yeah. stock, everything, oh, everything just... is rallying. And we're, we're thinking, is, is, was that it? Was was that really it? And then Dennis came in with uh, this doozy right I here. I still think, I said this on the Friday afternoon show, which I've never been on before, but I think I said if we come in and we get a bounce on Monday morning, I think the airlines are to be sold and the the banks to be sold in that bounce. So I'm going to stick with that. We're getting a nice bounce in all those things. I think the highs are still in. Again, it's hard to call the top, so they take it up. But if I was going short, I would lean on Friday's highs in a lot of these things. This was June 8th when UAL went from like $30 to $48 in three days. Mm-hmm. So I, I went short and, and that was, you know, the top. And then they obviously imploded again after that. We know like all the airlines came back off and, you know, the reopening play died right then. Like, I mean, for the next four months, the reopening stocks were in the gutter. But everybody just thought, okay, we're all going right back on every stock. And that didn't materialize. So, so I got the timing right on that one. You gave a reference point too. I, you know, you actually, I think they, re, I, I, I remember this um, American Airlines. I mean, that thing was just like, and it was just oh, training super vi- I mean, the volume in the, uh, the pre-market and it was like, is this, and they were just like, they were just gobbling up everything. And I, yeah. I think it, I, I can't go back and look at the chart to see where the pre-market high was and where it actually ended up. But it was, just, and you were saying, I remember that one, Dad, because you were like, if you're buying the airlines now, you're buying it too late. And AAL, Joel, AAL went from $10 to $22 in a week. Yep. We're, we are way in better shape now, and AAL is 16 yep. So it still has not got back to that June 5th high when we, or June 6th or whatever the day was, when eight, I hit 22 It's it, that stupid. People were just like, oh, yeah, we're going right back up. I'm like, are we really right out of this now? We started at 27 on AL. We came back 22. That's your rational exuberance in the short term. That's people FOMO chasing. And FOMO is still down in that purchase. So when you buy these 100%, 200%, 300% rallies, and, you know, this goes to Fubo, too. I mean, I bought Fubo at 13. I held a piece. I shouldn't have held a piece, but the chat can't stop talking about it. I mean, it went from 30 to 60 in four days. That was irrational. So what has happened now? It's come back to reality. It got back to reality because we've got, you know, an analyst that won't stop talking bearish about it. Uh, but I mean, now you're starting to get to a point where I, I don't I don't know. I still have a piece of Fubo. I obviously should have sold it all. Obviously wrong. But if you're buying it at 50 or 60 after it just ran from 30, that's chasing. You got to, you know, cut those losses as you can. I'm still in from 13 and I sold a bunch of it. So, I mean... I'm holding a piece, but anyways, it's just showing you like these 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 crazy moves happen. And if you're buying a stock after it moves, American Airlines moved 100% in a week. If you're buying a stock after it moves 100% in a week, that's the recipe to lose money. Yep. Okay. So we're we're actually almost done here. Uh, th- this next one is from uh, July 30th. Go to lesson in market structure as it relates to a a news headline that that stock being talked about here is kodak because there's people out here and here's comes a rant there's people that believe that shorting is just flat out un-american you don't short stocks it is evil to short stocks kodak goes up to 60 dollars because nobody can short it that's why it happens so the person who buys this 60 is a victim 
because nobody can short the blood even. So because if people could short it, they would keep price lower. Yeah. Was... And, and we're scared when the things are going like <laughs> that too. I mean, that's just look at the Kodak chart. I don't know if you can bring it up here right now, yeah. but it went on that headline from $2 to $60, getting back a decade of losses, you know, in a company that's better days are well behind it and people actually buying it up there. Somebody top ticked that and bought that at 60 and 50 and 40 and 30 and 20 and 10 and stocks $8 now. And if you think it's going back to 60, uh, I don't know if that next government headline's coming to bail you out on this one. I honestly think Kodak is probably eventually going back to two. So, I mean, the person who bought it at eight buys it at eight today, maybe it gets to 10, maybe it gets some dog relief in January, January effects type style. But these things usually when they're just driven by FOMO and, you know, not reality, eventually end in tears. Kodak quickly ended in tears. Mm -hmm. Yep. And speaking of shorting, we had Andrew Left on the show. This is on September 29th. We asked him what his biggest mistake was when he shorted Peloton. And here is what Andrew Left had to say. And I realized something. My biggest mistake as a short seller is shorting a good product on valuation. I think the valuation on Peloton is stupid, ridiculous, nonsensical. I think the valuation on Shopify is stupid, ridiculous, nonsensical. They're both very good products. How about Tesla? Stupid, ridiculous, nonsensical. Why short a good? Historically, if you want to make money in this market, the past 10 years, if you find a product and you like the product, you buy the stock. You do not worry about the price of the stock. That's so right. I mean, valuation doesn't matter as long as the product remains hot. It's when the product starts to cool down that valuation starts to matter. And valuation eventually matters for all stocks. It doesn't matter when you're in that early adoption period where people are getting into something. They're ordering Pelotons. They're still, you know, we're in the early adoption period for EV. So people are still, you know, buying Teslas and the story is still hot. People are talking about Tesla and you don't see a Tesla. You don't see a thousand of them on the road here. You don't see them everywhere, but eventually you're going to start to see more and more of these. And once everybody's in it, that's when the stocks stop out. So what I've learned, you know, and I've learned this the hard way, but, you know, especially in 2020 is that one, I don't short stocks making new all time highs, but two is don't short a hot story beyond valuation because valuation doesn't matter when the story is hot. It matters when the story goes cool or cold. That's when the valuation starts to matter. So don't be a hero trying to short the top. It goes for Tesla right now. The story has not cooled off. That's why we nope. said back when it was 650 here, I took a lot of heat you know, three, four days ago when I said, I think Tesla could eventually hit that 695 again because it was just technical. It wouldn't go where, down. It wouldn't go down. It should have collapsed after, you know, I said 695 that was going to top ticket, and I thought that was going to be it, but it would not go down. It should have kept going down, and it wouldn't. And buyers started emerging, and here they are again. And you know what? Tesla's making new all-time highs here today. I do not short stocks making new all-time highs. Does the valuation make any sense? It makes no sense, but it doesn't matter. Andrew left spot on. Hot product, hot topic, hot stock. Traders I, don't in the short term trade on fundamentals. I just want to and uh, just uh, a couple comments on that. Um, that the small piece of Tesla that we had was this was pre. I mean, this obviously we were at a mall and they had, had a little pop up store and I don't know Somerset. I don't know where we were at. And I walked in there with Lisa. And she's like, "Hey, that's a pretty cool looking car," but, you know. And then that's <laughs> when we ended up getting. And then the other thing with you make money doing that. And, and the other thing with the Peloton, we actually in December, 
Lisa was like, you know, I can't get up at five o'clock and go to the gym and go swimming. I want, you know, we got to get rid of this old bike and uh, also this treadmill, 25 years old. She goes, so we went out to the mall and, you know, we got Pelotons. This is like second week in December or something. And then I can't remember shortly after that, she goes, you know what? This was pre-pandemic. She's like, I think that this, I think this is going to catch on to people. I really like it. And then that, so just alluding to uh, what, uh, what Mr. Left said, you know, Uh, my problem is, is like when I go down the street and I see something that I don't like, I like to do a revenge trade. But but I'll tell you right now, I'll tell you right now, I mean, these fast food stocks, I mean, I, I, that when I saw, you still go by these lines, these, I don't know what people are just eating so much fast food. It's Starbucks and Popeyes. I mean, the lines are still going out to the road. I guess people are just sick of cooking. And so, but I'm like, who would wait that long in a line to get a Big Mac? Know. You know, I mean, I, it's incredible. But uh, no, no. okay, we got two clips left. I'd be remiss. I'd be remiss not to mention Bitcoin. We had Mark Yusko on the show on November 11th. Uh, and he gave us, and he's been on our show before, and he's been bullish Bitcoin for years. We, we've talked oh, about this was the call. But he gave us a very good um, way of thinking about Bitcoin. This is from uh, November 11th. I still think you know three to five percent is the right number. You know, and the reason I think about that number is I view it as a diversifying asset like gold, right? I think you should have three to five percent in something like gold, physical asset. I think you should have three to five percent in Bitcoin as a digital asset. The best thing about Bitcoin is it is the only asset, including gold, bonds, everything, that is truly uncorrelated to traditional assets. It's 0.15 correlated to the S&P. So when you add it to your portfolio, you get lower risk in the overall portfolio and better return. I turned around after that interview and I was like, I need to buy Bitcoin. And, <laughs> and, and it ran for like a week and a half. I was like, oh, I missed it again. It went from like 15,000, like 21,000. I'm like, holy, I missed this. And then Thanksgiving happened, gave me the shot and I bought Bitcoin around. It ended up being around, averaged in around uh, 17,000. And obviously we're 29 here this morning. So it's been a good purchase. So, I mean, thank you, Mark Yusko for, you know, at least, you know, talking. One thing I'm I'm thinking about here though is, you know, and I'm going to say it again, if you're buying Bitcoin today, you just bought it after it ran 12,000 points, up 70% a month, you know, because I know because I bought it a month ago and I bought QBTC in Canada and it's a premium has expanded too. I bought this at $25, $25.50 or something in Canada. It hit 51 yesterday. I've doubled my money in one month. I almost feel like selling half just because now I can completely play with the house's money forever. When you double your, st- your money in one month in something, I said I would hold on this Bitcoin forever, but maybe I should sell half. And chat, tell me what I should do. No. I literally, the, the, the premiums expanded too. Because it was yeah, trading yeah, at like NAV was. and because everybody's hot for it, you can put in your RSP in Canada. This thing's trading like 15% above NAV. So it's trading. So I picked up not only the move in Bitcoin, I picked up extra move. I think it might even be 20% above NAV because everybody wants in the bloody product that you know I, I picked up. So part of me thinks I should sell half, then play with the house's money and not look at it ever again. What are your thoughts? Well, you said, well, for, first of all, I remember I 
turned the screen on to see where the spoos were and I and I saw the Bitcoin down and I was just getting ready to text you and you texted me back and you said I'm buying this. Yeah. Yeah. Um why don't you why don't you just try instead of like trying to say hey you know 29 wait, wait for it it's technical wait wait for like a double top a consolidation and then for you know why i got why? it in my head that everything that was really hot is gonna have a rough okay. January. i have this in my head right now and maybe we should you know you got one more clip play the last clip then we give a market thought all right this is our last clip this is uh, a little bit longer it's from josh brown he came on our show on november 20th uh, this is a two-minute clip he explained the downside of direct listings and, and stocks not going public via the traditional IPO process in the context of Slack. Now, this was before Slack got bought by Salesforce, like a couple of weeks before, I think. But uh, here's Josh Brown on the downside of direct listings. So there's another thing, though, that I didn't count on that I, I guess I got wrong. And this applies to all direct listing stocks. The trade-off for a regular way IPO versus a direct listing. So Snowflake is a regular way IPO. Slack, Spotify, there are a handful of others, high-profile companies were direct listings. In an IPO, the insiders have to hold on to their stock. They have a lockup period, and the lockup period expires. Sometimes they stagger it. There are two separate expirations, but employees and executives, they can't just get liquid on day one. They have to hold, and that sometimes can help keep the float small and provide support for the share price in the early going. Company usually has two quarters, three quarters to report results before there are any large blocks for sale from the insiders. Okay. In a direct listing, they basically say, okay, here's the trade-off. We're just going to list this right here at this price and everyone's liquid day one. So there was no underwriter, right? So the Wall Street banks didn't do any work for them. So they say, well, we could sell whenever we want. We're not obligated. We don't have to make any promises to anyone because they're not going public to raise money. They've already raised the money. They're specifically going public to provide liquidity for people who have already invested, the venture capitalists. The Okay. So with Slack, two problems with going public that way. The first is they don't have any champions. If Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs and Bank of America didn't serve as your underwriter and sell this to all their clients, they're not incentivized to come out 30 days after the IPO and give you a strong buy. So Slack never really got that institutional support from the street because they didn't pay anybody enough money. That's the problem. The second problem, though, is people were liquid to sell immediately. So I think that definitely had an impact on the lack of momentum. So I didn't count on those things. It just it escaped me how important that they might have been. That's a great point. I mean, when you're thinking about stuff like that, and obviously, you know, we talked about, you know, even Facebook IP, I remember back in the day, Joel, and you could see at 38, they were just holding that price the whole first day. They would not let it go by there because you don't want it to trade below that price where everybody's like, oh, you know. It's crazy. So, yep. Yeah. So they do they do give that institutional support there to that price, and you don't have that. So that's a strong, it's a, it's a great point, Josh. All right, 902. Guys, let's, let's wrap this thing up. Great job, Spencer. Great. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, fun. That was fun. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we got to stick for a couple minutes just to talk a couple extra stocks, yeah. too. Yeah. I know the chat's going hot on FUBO. I'm going to give you my thoughts. Um, I, I quickly talked about it just in, in, in the middle of the show here. But, yes, I'm still long a small piece. Yes, it was definitely a mistake. I should have just sold it all. Uh, Joel warned us around $52 when it was breaking down from that. But I thought the story was still had more gas in the tank. I did not anticipate 
an analyst coming out and being as Two. possibly yeah. bearish. And and then and then you had who who was yesterday? They're ganging yeah. up on it now. Yeah. Everybody Carrie. is ganging up on this. I mean, valuation is the market. The valuation don't matter. And you know why you have two, you, but it does matter when you've got an analyst that is tweeting about it a thousand times a day. We're talking Rich Greenfield from uh, Lightshed, um, who was on CNBC yesterday. I mean, he, he, he is just, you know, talk. And every time he comes on, the stock falls 5%. So, I mean, it's just people who are caught in this thing that have bought it at 50, 40. And I thought it was going to stop at 35, 40. I even said, you know, it was 41. I was like, you know, mid 30s, this should find some support. It hasn't because that analyst continues to just bang the bearish, you know, uh, just just talking bearish nonstop about it. Every time it gets a positive headline, he comes out and talks bearish. It needs somebody to defend it to stop going down. I'm not going to be the person to defend it. Um, it got overdone. It, do I think the story is over? No. Do I think the story has cooled off substantially? Absolutely. Is it going to find support at 30 from where it broke out? Technically, it thinks so, but it's so bloody, you know, weak that it's hard. So I have a small piece still. I wish I would have sold it all. It was a a larger piece. Well, yeah, well, no, it was, no, but I had, I sold 80% of my position. We said, I said that it got overdone. You had to lighten up. It was, it was stupid. Um, I, I kept a small piece. I said it forever. I'm playing with the house's money. I sold way more than I, I sold way more than I kept in the stock. So I'm forever playing with the house's money on FUBO. But I thought I was going to buy more. I tried to buy more at 40, and it stopped me out because I was like, it's just too weak. I tweeted it that day. I bought more at the open at 40, and then I was like, no, it's too weak. I could see it rolling over again. So I turned around. I took only a 15-cent loss. I talked about it on that show wow. that day. I was up a buck in it. I, I picked the bottom on that day, like the 39.15, and it ran up to like 41. But then it started to roll over, and I was like, no, it's too heavy. I can feel the heaviness of it. And, I mean, it's still really heavy right now. Has everybody washed out of this thing? I mean, valuation is probably, you know, it's not probably even worth $31. I mean, you can't look at valuation on stuff. But if they're going to keep pounding the table on it, that this is the best short. He said, you know, Greenfield said it on CNBC yesterday, um, that this was the most compelling short that I've seen in my 25 years. He's talking that bearish about it. And then you have the Kensington coming on and talking about it. Carisdale, whatever the hell their names are, talking. They gang up on it. Everybody's ganging up on it. I do think you're going to have a relief rally in it at some point in time, but it's hard to get the story hot again when you've got you know major outspoken critics bringing the bear, uh, saying that this is just you know, not worth what it is. Uh, first of all, we do not give investment advice, but uh, this is what I, uh, two things in Fubo, and I'm gonna just because this is such a wild thing. I'm looking on the right, the upper right chart here. Boy, you spent a lot of time between 25 and 30, right? I, I think Before, it's got to find some support. I th- nothing not to do anything, but don't you think it's right. going to find some support in that? I, I, would like to, it, I would like to see it come down in this 25 to 30 range and see what it can do. I, I really think you're going to find some support. I mean, already, uh, real, I don't know where to do a retracement now. I think I already did. It's already through the 50% off to 15. But two things I would look for this for. One, let's see what happens between 25 and 30. I'm giving you a wide range because this is a, you know, a wild stock. And then also, and I, I don't and I don't think you hear me say this too much occasionally, but there are some analysts on the street that really know what the hell they're doing. And what is Laura Martin? And she went her she went bullish on the same day, November 9th, as a guy from BMO. 
And that stock barely moved that day. It was like around 11 bucks. And I remember it only went up 39 cents. So I'll see what happens between 20. Let's see if it gets down to 25 or 30. And then, you know, see what she comes out. Because I'll tell you right now, if you're short this thing and she comes down and she upgrades it, you're going to get a whooping because it's going to it's gonna do it. So there's just uh, just a couple things. And I'm just being – I know that's a wide range, and I know how you try and go to the penny on stuff. But <laughs> when a stock's gone from 15 to 62.50 back to 30. Oh, it's wild. Yeah, you got to give yourself some room on that Big one. Time. Full disclosure, no position. Uh, I looked at this thing when they took out that 5250, that double bottom, but you had a great uh, call there. Yeah. I should have sold it that day. Mitch, you're in the background. What are your thoughts here? Are you, cause you've been out in Fubo for a while, but you were the original one who gave us Fubo. Are you looking to get back in this thing? So one of the things that I, I always like is how Joel mentioned, uh, I started seeing that level too, the same kind of level he sees, but I, I'm looking more on that monthly and I can see it pulling back closer towards that 20 and that 25 area. So like I mentioned in the chat, I'll be looking for consolidation in this stock. So that's what I'm really looking for. I'm looking for like a, a good side sideways, two weeks, three weeks to show that there's no like kind of trend, like the bears don't have control, the bulls don't have control. And I think that's what I'm going to be looking for in FUBU. But really, I mean, I, I said, you know, to kind of ring the register at 26. I felt that was a kind of a, a level. Um, yeah. That was when that was when uh, Dennis first took his first profit, and yep. you know, and that's kind of the level that I felt the evaluations made sense. Then they did that purchase of the Balto Sports, and the investors just reacted massively. And I think you know, it, you everyone kind of saw that move up to sixty dollars as as an overextension, way too quick. Yeah. Uh, also, I would like for um, for the volume to slow down on the date. Its highest volume day was the day I made that all time high, thirty five million, almost thirty six million. Yesterday, it traded uh, fifty three and a half million. So, you know, a lot of these times, everyone that's out of the you know wants to get out of the pool is out of the pool, you know. And uh, so, at least let it come down. Let the because. You got to get the big sellers out of there. Well, People are still sitting on a profit, right? I'm, I'm, I'm still up like I bought a 13. I'm still yeah. like 200% on the last, you know, the last little piece that I held. I wish I would have sold it all because I watched all. Yeah, of, yeah. You know, that yep. extra, you know, gain go away. But anyways, I guess you just should sell it all. But <laughs> it anyway, I'm wrong. Obviously wrong. But I mean, why come in here now and be a hero at 31? You know, wait till it stops going down. You know, Mitch is saying, you get in the 25, let it consolidate for a couple of days, stop going down. You need an analyst to come out and defend it or, you know, because they keep ganging up and the Greenfield doesn't look like he's going to stop. I mean, I think he's tweeted like five times already this morning. <laughs> Every single tweet. It's unbelievable. I've never seen analysts do that before. Um, that vocal, like, let's go, go rich, rich lights shed and just look at his on? tweets from this morning. He, yeah, he's we, not stop. Yeah, we, we can try. He, he's been tough. Okay, past. so yeah. so this morning, 52 minutes ago, why we believe Fubo is headed to eight dollars. 57 minutes ago, more early owners blowing out of Fubo. Four million share block being sold via JP Morgan. You've got you know, and then last night, it's literally every tweet. That's all he talks about is Fubo. He's on there, Fubo, 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 Fubo. Maybe he, maybe he sell eight dollars. Maybe he had a bad experience with the product. I don't know. I mean, he's got the hate, hate, hate on for this stock, and you know, maybe, and he's been right. But I mean, a lot of this is due to him as well. Don't kid yourself. You know, a lot of this fall is because he's been so, so bearish. So I mean, I he's not going to stop. 
So you can see he's not going to stop. He wants the thing down to eight dollars, so he can say I called this whole thing, and he's going to make a huge name for himself. Um, you know, and props for him for having the guts to you know call it. You know, when it started, he, he waited till it started going down the first day. But I mean, props to him for you know making a bold call that this bubble was going to burst, and he kind of made the bubble burst. Yeah. So I mean, but he is not stopping anytime soon. It doesn't look like so until you get another analyst that can come out and say, okay, look. There is a bullish thesis. It's hard to be a buyer of something going straight down. It's going to bounce. It's due to bounce. It's had some bounces. It's bounced from 36 to 41. Had a few bounces in there. But I'm, I'm not coming in with new money here until I see this stock start stabilize. to stabilize. Yeah. Stop, at least stop. I tried it at 40, out. and I got stopped out. So on the extra. You know, am I what the little piece that I've got that I bought at 13? Should I ring the register and sell the rest of it? Probably. But I don't think it's going back to 13. So obviously, I, I thought it was going back to 31. I would have sold it at 40 or sold it at 50. <laughs> um, I didn't think it was coming down to 31. I thought it was going to stall out and, and find some support around 40. Wrong. It's coming all the way back in. So I don't know where the bottom is. Am I going to sell that last little piece? I don't think I'm going to sell that last little piece. But, you know, emotions get the best of you sometimes, too. Um, you know, I'm still up substantially in that little piece. But. I'm, I'm trying not to think about, it, to be honest. It's, it's ugly. It was a bad call by me. Yeah, that two. Yeah, that small position. Um, anything, uh, Mitch? Were you gonna hop in there? Yeah, or? yeah. So a, a question I ask myself, Dennis, and I've been using this question often now, is ask myself if the perfect environment, if, if it's just the perfect environment for my stock, and it keeps going in my direction, how much more can I get from this stock? And I think that's a great question to ask yourself because a lot of the times you're gonna see that maybe it's like five, ten percent more. And is that really worth it when you have like you know a hundred percent gainer or an eighty percent gainer? You know, that's that's a question you have to ask for yourself, you know, and, and it has to be all about your risk tolerance. But you know, to me, I think that you know, those are the kind of gains that you just gotta run away with the profits and celebrate the wins. I mean, you do. And you know what? It is a big winner for me this year. The FUBO was a great trade. Um, you know, like I said, I started selling it when it doubled. And then I sold more when it got just stupid. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to hold a piece because I'm forever trading the house's money. And, you know, that was a wrong call. I should have sold it all. Uh, but, you know, at that being said as well, you know, I didn't know that the story was going to go ice cold two days later. You know, I didn't know it was going to be an analyst that's going to come out and say, sell this thing a 10,000 times on oh, Twitter yeah. with an $8 that. price yep. target on it. I didn't know that was going to happen. So, yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is. I, mean, I got one you, last thing here, one last thing, and I think it's a, a, an important one, is that a lot of how I got these these kind of picks and stocks that I got into was watching the show, guys. And, and I have to personally really – Thank you, you, Joel and Dennis, because you guys have taught me so much, um, not only in kind of, let's say, looking at technicals, looking at fundamentals, but taking a different kind of approach and really looking at stocks kind of more in the story approach and, and trying to time with kind of the, the catalyst and using a combination and not just technicals. You know, I used to be a very technical trader, day trader, just strictly technicals. I didn't even care about the story. I just cared that the stock was going up and had volume. And and I learned a lot this year. So I definitely want to personally say thank you for you guys. And uh, I'll be looking forward to learning more. 
We've been learning from you too, Mitch. I watched that SPAC attack show that you get you do with Chris Catchy over there. And I mean, you guys do a fabulous job on that. So Chris, the information station over there, you do a great job hosting it. Um, you, you've grown, you know, I keep growing. We all continue to grow as traders and investors. We're never going to be, oh, I, you know, 100%, you know, we all live in probabilities. We all live in edges. We're all going to be right and wrong a lot of times. It's being able to accept, you know, you know those trades and admit when you're wrong and get the hell out when you're wrong as opposed to you know letting something you know go against you and you know in this case with the football i've let it you know maybe because i was playing with the house's money that i've let it go a lot further than i should have but i mean we all learn mitch thanks for everything that you've brought to us you know this year too spencer as well we're all constantly learning in the chat we've learned yeah. so much from so many people in the chat we've got some great stocks that's where we got mitch from was the chat originally and you know we've got so many other you know uh people spinner in our chat you know that we learn so much from i wish i could name everybody there's a bazillion you know people in our chat who are great traders and you know that's why i say i do this show you know i don't do this show for the money i make a lot more trading than i do from you know from this show and benzinga but i do this show because i learn from you guys and it makes me more focused on my trader i become a better trader because i participate in the show with you know great you know other traders that are in the chat giving us different ideas giving us different setups and you know looking and expanding our trading because you know i've always been a value guy and look you know i'm playing some of this momo stuff and doing some different things that's out of my wheelhouse too so we're all learning and so i thank everyone from the chat thank you mitch spencer joel thanks everyone and i just want to i just want to add uh, two things uh first of all uh just spencer um, he's the glue that, uh, holds his show together. Um, he puts up with a lot of my, you know, I'm, you guys don't know how temperamental I am and stuff. I'm temperamental but, too. Yeah. He puts up with us. And, uh, so just an improvement that we've seen in him over the last couple of years. And second of all, um, you know, yeah, you know, Mitch and Dennis and me and Spencer and Jason, but I think what we bring to you guys is some really great opinions from wall street not just our opinions. And if you looked at some of those clips, they're not all me. They're not all Dennis. They're not, there's some, some pretty well-respected people on wall street. So I want to, I want to thank all of our guests. I mean, Gene Munster, Craig Johnson, uh, Andrew left. I mean, and when these guys come on the show, you know, we're, they don't, they don't have a cue card saying, okay, yeah, one, two minutes, you're out next segment. You know, we let people. So, Send us your guest suggestions and send us people because I've that's that's where I've learned a lot. Like my you know the live vent corp, you know from Gene Munster and stuff. So there's a lot of different aspects to this show uh, that we try and bring you to, and we just want to improve in uh, 2021. Okay, and on that note, uh, I just saw a couple questions in the chat. Uh, full day today. Markets closed at four o'clock Eastern time. So Joel, we're still doing a closing show, I would imagine, at 3:40. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, we've got that, but full day on the market today. Uh, so don't don't worry about any weird hours. And I want to echo what everyone else has already said. Obviously, the show would be nothing without Joel and Dennis. It would we wouldn't have a show without Joel and Dennis. And Joel and Dennis, we will be talking to themselves without all you. In, in, <laughs> we in, used to do that in the chat <laughs> and, and listeners. So uh, Uvo on Uvo. It's been it's been a, Uvo, it's man, been a, a strange year. Uh, a, a terrible year in some respects. A great year in others. Uh, so we couldn't have done it uh, without you guys. We always appreciate all your support. You can email us your guest suggestions. Email us any suggestions. Premarket at Benzinga.com. That goes to all four of us. Yep. And um, well, that doesn't look at it. But and, and I look. I, I do look at it. Uh, hit, hit that like <laughs> button as well. Hit that like button. Show us some love on New Year's Eve. Um, and that's what I wanted to say.
so I think this is going to be, this is our last show of the year. But like I said, we'll be back at 3.40 p.m. Eastern time to really wrap up the year. Uh, but from all of us here at Benzinga to all of you, uh, thank you uh, for everything, for the comments, for the love, for the hate, for the super chats, for the donations, and dollars and Filipino pesos and Nigerian whatever. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we appreciate all Bitcoin. of it. Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, we only want Bitcoin. All right, everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you before the close and good luck in your trading. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.